Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Hello, my dark darlings. I'm Markia, and this is the Something Scary Podcast. To our veteran listeners and those sheltering into the dark with us for the first time, welcome. This week, we've been thinking about love. Love lifts us up. Love is a mini splendored thing. All you need is love. Did you know that it is a statistical fact that you're more likely to be killed by the ones that say they love you than any stranger? In investigations of foul play, that's why they always look at the family first. Just something for all of us to keep in mind as we shelter in place with the ones that we love. Because love can drive one to insanity. Journeys can take unexpected twists on cobblestone streets in the dark. And you don't know what truly lies beyond paths that can test even the closest of friends. These are places life can take you that are gravely gothic. First, a lost love returns determined on forever. Next, the dead of the night holds a girl tight. After that, a wife seeks more than till death do us part. And finally, a motley crew encounters a mad entity. I receive hundreds of creepy story submissions every single week. As always, the first story you hear is one that we've chosen to animate and post over at youtube.com snarled. Then I read a few more stories for the podcast. If you have a tale you're dying to share, send me an email at somethingscary@snarled.com. And if you'd like to support the show and receive bonus content, consider joining our Patreon. Our patrons play a huge role in keeping the show running every single week. For more information on how you can help the show and also be a part of it, visit patreon.com snarled. So, want to hear something scary? The dead are riding. Love can conquer anything, even war. And two lovers who only wished to find a way to each other find themselves on a journey they thought they'd never take. This is a Nordic noir, a horror story of love. One cold evening, Agatha was walking home along a gravel road covered in snow and surrounded by trees. The moon was shining down, and a lamp gave her just enough light to see the road ahead. It was freezing cold, and she couldn't wait until she could get back to the warmth of her home. It had been a year since her fiancé, Eric, had gone missing in the war. His father had given up hope, and they came to terms that Eric was dead. 
and they'd never recover his body like so many other young men lost. On many nights like this one, walking from work to her abode, she felt as if a shadow was behind her, following in a horse-drawn sled. She'd often heard galloping and turned, hoping to see Eric, only to find no one there. She didn't want to give up, but days turned to weeks and weeks into months, and soon enough, it was winter. The war waged on and she stopped receiving letters, so she moved on. But under the blood moon of this night, a year to the date that she'd said yes to his proposal, something felt different in the air. The galloping seemed to be getting closer, the sled just within view. Was it really him? She remembered their promise in the church graveyard where his mother had been buried. He'd sworn that when he got back, they'd be married and he would take her home. No matter what, he'd come for her. Nothing could stop his love for her, not even death. As she listened to the snow crunching under her feet, she became aware of another sound, a loud shushing and crunching that was getting closer. Soon, a sled came to view behind her. There was a black horse dragging the sled along, and she could see that there was only one person in the sled. When the sled stopped next to her, she realized the driver was her fiance. Agatha greeted him and climbed up on the sled. She was overjoyed that he had come home. Eric was unusually quiet, but she didn't mind. She was just glad to have him back. For a long time, there was no sound except for the snow crunching under the hooves of the horse and the skids of the sled, until the young man finally broke the silence. The moon is shining, the dead are riding. Are you not afraid, my love? He said. When we're together, what do I have to fear? Agata responded as she hugged him. The moon on his face made his features seem gaunt and skeletal as they passed lanterns. Was it the light playing tricks on her? All was silent once again. She thought the question was odd, and her fiancé was unusually quiet. The dark night was enough to fill anyone with dread, and she figured that he was just scared. Shell-shocked, they called it, from the war. But there was an emptiness in his gaze. He looked only ahead. Do you remember your promise? He said. Agatha wondered why he wouldn't turn to her when speaking to her. Eric, is it really you? She asked, getting a little unnerved. All her attempts at conversation were met with no reply besides his strange, trance-like response. I told you not even death could stop me from coming back to you. Agatha was starting to get afraid, but she pushed it aside. Where are we going? She asked. The young man did not react to her words, only looking forward at the road ahead. She could only barely see her surroundings in the silver glow of the moon. From beside her, she heard her fiancé muttering, As am I now, so you will be. Tired of his cryptic words, Agata snapped. What do you mean? You can't just show up and not answer my questions or tell me where you've been or where you're taking me. Suddenly, the sled came to a stop. She looked around, trying to figure out her surroundings. A church to be married, he said as her eyes adjusted, realizing where she was. She recognized the place as the town's churchyard, the place they had made their pact. As he walked off, she followed. Her thoughts, however, were interrupted by her realization that 
His military coat was ripped, seeping red, all over his back and dripping blood on the snow. Suddenly, he stopped in front of an open grave and took her hand under the moonlight. She looked down. His fingers were bones. I have kept my promise. I have come to take you home, my love. Eric said as he finally turned fully towards her. And you will keep yours. The moonlight revealed that half of his face was ripped away, exposing his bloody skull. He stalked towards the dark hole in the ground, gripping her hand tightly. Agata screamed as he pulled her close. It was a kiss of death. His touch ice cold as a shock ran through her system. Her veins froze all throughout her body and face, turning her lips blue as she took her last breath. Carrying his love, the dead man dropped into the grave. In the morning, Agata was found dead. She was buried in the snow in the open pit her fiancé's family had made for Eric's body in the family plot. His father had received his body in confirmation of his death the evening before. He was going to tell Agata the news in the morning, but Eric's body had gone missing overnight. To everyone's shock, they found them together in the snow. Their bodies lay to rest, finally home. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. In the night, your life can be in danger, even with your trusty teddy by your side, like in this story, inspired by Natasha. Emily walked the cobblestone streets alone. She should have been at home in her warm, comfy bed with her teddy bear at her side, but... Instead of sleeping soundly on her mattress, she was outside, alone. Of course, she thought she had a good reason to be out so late. Her father worked late, and her stepmother looked over the bills with a glassy stare, barely acknowledging her presence. Once again, she'd forgotten to make dinner for them both, but always seemed to remember to feed her beloved cats. Angrily, Emily snuck out of the house. She wasn't entirely alone. Mr. Tuffy... Her teddy bear was resting under her arm. The pale moonlight shone on her light blue dress with its pretty white lace and white ribbon on the back. She could have been Alice from Alice in Wonderland, she thought, as she patted her tightly curled dark hair. Her eyes shone as she looked around and saw the streets deserted. She strolled, undisturbed by the eerie feeling that she was walking alone at night. The gravedigger was smoking a cigar as he picked up his shovel and she waved at him. He stared back, his old, tired eyes having seen too much. What are you doing out so late, girl? 
He spit out the words as if it were poison in his mouth. I'm bored and hungry. No one knows I exist at home, she replied. There are things out there, things that come for you. Being bored is never worth your life. Go home, his gravelly voice rising with every word. Emily started to back up, thinking that the gravedigger was crazy. What things would come after her? Would he come after her? Fearful thoughts ran in her head, and the gravedigger's words were forgotten as she hurriedly walked away. Be careful, little girl, and go back to where you came from while you still have a chance, he shouted after her as she neared a park playground. While a little bit freaked out from the strange encounter, she decided not to head back home just yet. Who would notice anyways? She continued walking, and bit by bit, she calmed down and started looking for adventure again. She put her teddy bear on a swing and pushed it back and forth alone in the dark. All she had was Mr. Tuffy. Out of the mist, Emily saw another girl who was skipping on the train tracks nearby. It was a strange sight, but then again, so was Emily, a child alone at midnight, outside in the cold. The girl looked as if she was the same age as Emily. They looked eerily similar with tightly curled dark hair, but this child had all pitch black eyes. Emily squinted and it looked as if the girl's eyes didn't have pupils, but that must have been because it was so dark outside. The girl was wearing a simple white dress. She continued skipping with a jump rope, which was neon pink and looked quite out of place. Another jump rope lay near her on the ground, it was neon blue, and to Emily it seemed almost perfect as it matched her blue and white dress. As she came near the girl, Emily found herself compelled to pick up the rope and join. It felt as if something drew her to this moment. Inside, she felt terrified at her own actions as the other girl simply nodded and went back to skipping. Detangling the rope, Emily put Mr. Tuffy down. The bear seemed to look up at her, sadly. As she jumped up and down to the rhythm of the blue rope hitting the ground, the girl recited, My mother said I never should play with the demons in the woods today. If I did, she would say, such a naughty girl to disobey. Just as she finished the last rhyme, the ground began to rumble and blinding yellow lights flashed out. It was a train. It was barreling towards them both. Emily whimpered, wanting to run, but her body just kept skipping rope faster and faster until the train came by and crushed Emily, tearing Mr. Tuffy from her hands. The teddy bear was flung off to the side, splattered in its friend's blood. Emily didn't even have time to scream before the train ripped her apart, piece by piece. The other girl, the one with the all-black eyes, was standing next to the train tracks, even though she had been skipping on the train tracks just a second earlier. She simply looked on, and she smiled. The gravedigger watched, horrified, saddened, and oh, so weary, as he mumbled under his breath, May God have mercy on her soul. The girl skipped up back onto the tracks, picked up the very bloody Mr. Tuffy, and giggled as she followed the road back, intent on finding Emily's home. Thank you so much for inspiring this story, Natasha. I very much enjoy doppelgangers. You know, they say that your exact lookalike is somewhere in this world. 
that there's only so many ways that a person can look. So there's one of you out there somewhere. Unfortunately for Emily, she found her doppelganger. But in this case, it was a bad omen. I wonder if that would be true for all of us. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and... What do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. True love lasts forever. That's what everyone says. But what if true love can only last as long as one chooses to make it work. Like in this story, inspired by Lily. When I walked into the kitchen one morning before work, my husband Clay barely acknowledged me as he watched TV in the living room, his back to me. I shook my head and ate my eggs and toast in silence before placing my dishes in the sink. Before leaving, I set a plate down for my husband and approached him, placing my hands gently on his shoulders. I'll be home late. I love you. I kissed him on the back of the head and walked out the door. When I got to work, my best friend Tracy was waiting for me. Hey, girl, she said with a smile. How have you been? I smiled and hugged her, avoiding eye contact. Great, thanks. And how's that gorgeous piece of man candy you snagged? She asked teasingly as she broke off the hug. Keeping my attention on my work, I shrugged. Clay's fine, although he's practically been glued to that damn TV since we got back. I can barely drag him to bed every night. I have no idea what he's watching that's more interesting than his beautiful new wife, Tracy teased. Lightly slugging her in the arm, I gestured to the body prepping room. Hurry it up, Trace. We have things to stuff, remember? The day wore on in the building, and Tracy and I were busy stuffing some hunter's buck to mount on a plaque its dead eyes glued on me as I worked. When it was time for us to clock out, I said goodbye and drove the short way home. When I got inside, I locked the door and dropped my keys onto the table beside the door. I saw Clay sitting on the couch in the living room watching TV. I rolled my eyes as I shrugged off my coat. Seriously? Did you do anything besides watching that damn thing all day? I received no response and approached him, kissing him on the head. Come on, baby, let's go to bed. I managed to get him off the couch and into bed, and I wrapped my arms around his torso, muttering, I love you, as I drifted off to sleep. As the days wore on and turned into weeks, I noticed the changes in my husband. He was getting more and more distant, and it sort of made me feel like it was my fault. I was taking such long hours, after all. It made me really upset that he barely even seemed to acknowledge me, spending so much time watching that damn TV and not even talking to me. That night, I arrived home and dropped my keys onto the table again, 
As I took off my coat, I looked to the couch. Clay just sat there, watching TV. We needed to change the routine. With a sigh, I took off my coat and walked into the living room, settling on the couch. I kissed Clay on the cheek and gestured to the TV. Good show, huh? He didn't respond. My smile fell. The silent treatment, again? Seriously? Silence once again. I crossed my arms over my chest. Look, I get that I've been working long hours and you're upset, but you can't just act like I'm not even here. I'm your wife, for goodness sake. When Clay still didn't respond, I began to break down in tears, hugging him. I love you. You know that. I really, really love you. He didn't respond. Shaking my head, I rose from the couch, unplugged the TV, and walked towards the bathroom to shower. Then I heard my husband say, I love you. A smile spread across my face, and I turned around, walking back to the couch and threw my arms around Clay's neck, kissing him. I went to the kitchen and poured out two glasses of wine before returning to the couch and sitting on his lap to listen to music on our record player. I kissed his cheek. I love you, honey. I wrapped my arms around his torso and gave him a big hug. He spoke from the voice box implanted in his stomach. I love you. I was so relieved. I thought he had broken. I leaned my head on his shoulder and then glanced up at his glass eyes. The smile I'd forced his lifeless mouth into brought one to my own face. I'd done such a great job taxidermying him. He looked so lifelike. I stroked his hair and sighed happily. <sighs> Even death won't do us part. Thank you so much, Lily, for this wonderful gothic inspiration for this love story. It makes you wonder what happened to Clay. Did she kill him or did she merely use her skills to keep him around after he died of some other cause? We love our loved ones so very, very much. If it was legal, I wonder, go ahead and ask yourselves, would you preserved a loved one to stay around even after death has parted you both? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. In stories inspired by role-playing games, danger can arise on the roll of a dice like in this Cthulian story inspired by Gretel Sims. The Storm Slayer gang had just left the Roxville Mountains when they reached the town of Grismere. They could see the sign, but the town was surrounded by a cloud of mist that was impossible to see through. The road that led to it was black and grown over with vines with large thorns, so the storm slayers were very tired and sore by the time they got there. The gang wondered if there was an inn they could stay the night in, and Lalith asked a town person for directions. Excuse me, madam, but can you tell us? She was cut short by the woman walking right past her. She had not even noticed her. 
They tried four other people but fared no better. Something is going on here, said Hunter. Why is nobody answering us? Do they see us? Can they see us? Laylith shrugged and said, Well, since we can't get anyone to tell us, let's look for an end ourselves. They agreed and set out to look on their own. As they walked, they noticed that every inhabitant looked the same. The women looked drained and wore black velvet dresses that dragged on the ground behind them, and the men were all wearing perfectly clean tuxedos. Finally, they came to a small brick inn. It was quite cold there, and there were icicles hanging from the roof. The inn was called the Black Sparrow, and it looked like every other building except for the large statue of a sparrow on the roof. The gang agreed they should stay there for the night, but wanted to be out of there as quickly as possible the next day. There was something off about the place, something wrong. Herrick, the quiet one, wondered what had made the town like it was. As they walked up the stone steps, they saw a symbol. It was a symbol that nobody there had seen before. The feeling looking at that symbol, that mark, that sign was one of utter horror like looking into the eyes of a demon. Laylith whispered a word that only born Elvish could understand. They stepped into the dark inn, where suddenly a voice arose out of the darkness, a voice that brought chill to the blood of any mortal man, a voice that had the sound of a wraith and had the feel of horror that nobody could escape. The voice said, His majesty likes it this way, dark and cold, silence and solitude as we progress into new lands, as we chant our song, we will overtake you. You will become a slave to his majesty, yes. His majesty will treat you well, he will teach you his teachings, he will see you everywhere you go, even in nightmares. The last word the unknown ghoul emphasized by speaking louder and hissing slowly. Who is this master? Why has he made you his slave? Said Lalith, trying to hide the terror in her voice. The master is the only one, the only god. He is the ultimate spirit. His song is the song of death, the song of horror and misery and hate. He will take you all. Someday he will take you all. We have to get out of here, said Hunter. We can't stay here. We will become part of this too. They agreed. But as they were walking out the door, something stopped them. They were not sure what it was at first. They thought it was someone screaming. Then it was singing, if singing it might be called. The noise was more horrific than anything the Storm Slayers had heard before, and it was more of a chant than a song. A poem without meaning or sense. Plug your ears, yelled Hunter. The group clapped their hands over their ears quickly, trying to block out the noise. It seemed like hours before the sound stopped, and the group cautiously removed their hands from their ears looking around them. All was quiet, and the group quietly slipped out the door. They could do nothing for this town. The god that they spoke of was all-powerful, all-knowing. He was Cthulhu, the god of horror and misery. He had taken towns before, but they had never gone to those towns. Obviously, the god's song had hypnotized the rest of the townspeople. 
The adventuring crew ran past the town gate and stopped when they reached the road. Lalith gasped. Thank goodness we're... but was cut short at what she saw. Not only was the road gray and misty like the town, but everywhere was. The trees, the bushes, everywhere. Lalith said Hunter, look... He pointed a shaking hand up at the sky. As they all looked up at the sky, they saw a creature resembling an entity with a tentacle beard grinning down at them. Time doesn't pass the same in my lands. You fools have been in the town of Grismere for 3,000 years. Now, I finally have the world, and you are next. This week's podcast stories were edited by Marquia McCarty and Sabina Graves. Narration by Marquia McCarty. Audio edited by Fitz Harris and Calvin Linderman. Graphics by Johnny Ashley. Produced by Annalise Nelson. Music by Sapphire Sandalo. If you have a story you'd like to submit, send me an email at somethingscary@snarled.com. Don't forget to watch the video version of Something Scary over at youtube.com snarled. And if you'd like to support the show and everything we do at Snarled, join our Patreon at patreon.com snarled. Until next time, my dark darlings, sweet dreams. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.